I like it spooky. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Like a Spooky podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. And I'm Clint. And if I was about 16 years older, I think I could have been Emilio Estevez's stunt double. We're, we're about the same height, same build. You'd have to shave that beard. Okay, so maybe not, because this puppy's never coming off. All right, well, with that, let's get to the news. So, the trailer, there's a new upcoming movie, um, Spirit Halloween. I'm kind of partial to I love Spirit Halloween. I stalk it until... It opens every year, go shopping, buy more crap I don't need from them. Uh, but they have a movie coming out, uh, and I guess that the trailer is going to premiere at the Midsummer Scream on the last day, July 31st. So I'm sure it'll be online also, it won't just be there, they'll post it somewhere. The movie's coming out in September this year, I believe it was. The Spirit, the movie, is about uh, Rachel Lee Cook plays Sue, a recently uh, remarried widow whose teenage son Jake decides to camp out at Spirit Halloween in a abandoned strip mall with his friends on Halloween night. I would want to do that too. But surprise, surprise, the kids get more than they are bargained for when an angry spirit possesses the animatronic characters inside. That sounds like, it does sound fun, but that sounds almost like, uh, what was the movie that Nick Cage was in? Uh, Willy, Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, it sounds like that. I'm kind of excited for it. I don't know what the rating's going to be. Hopefully they kind of go R-rated. It's got Christopher Lloyd, which I love Christopher Lloyd anyway, from Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like I love him. He's going to be... Hopefully it'll be a good movie. I'm excited for it. Christopher Lloyd must have a love for Halloween movies because over the years he's been in a lot of those kind of one-off Halloween specials. He was in um, Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories back in the 80s. I don't know if you guys have ever saw that episode uh, where he was like the school teacher and his head got come on his black magic and all that. that was a great episode. He was in another one in the early 90s, which I have in the other room. I can't remember the name. Um, when Good Ghouls Go Bad or something like that. So, yeah, he's done a lot of that stuff, which which tells me that I which tells me I wonder if this is going to be more family friendly because a lot of that stuff he does tends to be more family family friendly. Either way, I'm going to be there. I'll watch it. Hopefully the tra- trailer will be good. I feel like it'll be more along the lines of like Disney stuff or Hubie Halloween. You know, stuff like that that's family friendly, that's maybe PG. That's just a feeling I get from Spirit Halloween. I don't feel like they'll throw a lot of blood and guts at the screen. I mean, it is a kid's store too. Mostly kids going to get their costumes and then us adult kids who go and get the, the cool Halloween horror merchandise. I, I saw that. Uh, I saw the, the original post of, of this story on social media and like one of the first comments i saw was someone was like oh is the, the movie gonna be crap like the quality of their merchandise <clears throat> i thought that was kind of funny their stuff isn't the greatest i'm still there giving them my money they usually have coupons and stuff so i'll grab some stuff and over the years spirit halloween's come out with those cool collectibles like the uh the cotton candy gun from killer clowns from outer space which you know s- sold out I remember it was that last year or the year before, <clears throat> excuse me, and I went there on opening day, the Spirit of Halloween, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and I didn't get it. And then like a week later, I saw everybody was going gaga over it, and I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should have picked this up, and then you couldn't find it. Or they came out with the uh, the Spirit of Halloween uh, exclusive Funko Pop with Michael Myers and, and the house 
So yeah, they come out. They come out with some cool stuff. Probably family friendly. I remember when I ran the haunted house, and um, I made a deal with my local Spirit Halloween here in Michigan for my some of my actors to go get dressed up in costume and just hand out flyers and be haunt actors. And we got kicked out real quick. They're like, "You guys are too scary. You got to get the hell out of here. You're scaring scaring the customers." They're like, "No blood and guts. Leave." What do you got, Clint? All right, so I've got a couple things here. Um, real quick, the first one, and that is um from Days of the Dead. The Horicon, which, I mean, Days of the Dead, they do shows in Georgia, and they do shows in Vegas and Chicago. I'll be at the uh, upcoming one. Well, by the time this episode airs, I'll already have been there, but in Indianapolis. It was back on July 10th, uh, the Days of the Dead Horicon. They posted on their social media that they have decided to postpone their upcoming Los Angeles show. Uh, and it reads, we hate to be the bearer of bad news. For logistical reasons, we have decided to postpone the August 2022 Los Angeles show. Um, and they're moving it to August 25th through the 27th, 2023. Uh, and of course, they go on to say ticket holders will be, they're going to start refunding admission. Um, vendors can move your tables to the next year for another show. And they'll be reaching out their sincerest apologies. Yeah, I, I hope that it is logistical reasons. Um, you hate to see the, the horicons, especially bigger ones like that, get postponed. And I was worried about this starting to happen because of inflation and gas prices and just, you know, the, the state of the world. But it's just kind of odd that it was just the Los Angeles show. I'm, I'm curious to know more about why why they decided to do that. Yeah, that's what kind of struck me when I found out it was Los Angeles. You know, that's like the biggest, like probably metropolitan area around to cancel a show like that because you know they would have had a turnout. But I wonder if it was a reason like they couldn't get like some of the bigger name people or I'm not sure. Or I was wondering if it's something to do with, you know, the pandemic in California and something like that. I wanted to say that too. I didn't want to put it in the universe, but I mean, um, if anybody listens to the news and we're all in our mid forties. So it's just by right that we listen to the news. <laughs> you're, you're, you're hearing more and more about, you know, COVID cases coming back and, you know, they talk about monkeypox and all this other crazy stuff. So, but regardless, Days of the Dead didn't cite that as their reason. They will be postponing their 2022 Los Angeles show until 2023. So the other bit of news I wanted to cover on was I came across this story. It's a few months old, actually. iHorror.com reported this was back on march 21st of 2022 this year ben stiller will be playing the character of jack torrance in the stage play adaptation of stephen king's the shining now of course the character of jack torrance was made famous by jack nicholson and stanley uh, kubrick's i can never say his name classic and stephen weber played the part of jack torrance in the mick garris directed remake and it says here that the stage play is set to open in London in January of 2023. That's kind of cool. I would love to go see a, I assume like a Broadway show. Hopefully it'll tour. I love Ben Stiller, an iconic actor, I feel, kind of long. You have those pretty big names, but not like super, super stars. I, he's up there. Like, I, I love him. Um, that'd be kind of cool if I could see that. Well, and you know, Ben Stiller is obviously known for comedy. Um, and I've never, I, I don't, I don't hate the guy, but I've never been a huge Ben Stiller fan. Like, oh, I got to go see the next Ben Stiller movie. You know what I mean? But have you guys ever seen the docudrama that was based on Jerry Stahl's autobiographical book, Permanent Midnight? You ever seen the movie Permanent Midnight? It, it's not a horror movie, but it is a great movie. And in that movie, it's the first and only movie I've ever seen Ben Stiller play 
a serious role and he knocked it out of the park. He played the part of Jerry Stahl, who was a drug addicted writer. And it had a little bit of levity in it, but it was very dark and it was about his rise and fall due to drugs. And I wonder if that's why they chose Ben to play the part of Jack Torrance, because in that Ben Stiller playing Jerry Stahl is this like his shirt's off and he's covered in sweat and he's going through withdrawals and he's high and he's low and he's shooting heroin in the bathroom and he's at this typewriter typing like a madman. <clears throat> and it's just, I don't know, when I, when I saw the announcement, I was like, it's a perfect, perfect correlation. I always love when comedic actors transition and do serious stuff. It's almost always my favorite thing that they've ever done. I always go to like the Jim Carrey and the Truman Show. I know there's some comedy in it or like Jim Carrey and Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman. That is by far my favorite Jim Carrey thing he's ever done. When they take that step and they go to being more serious, it seems like a lot of them do super well. And maybe it's just that they're doing something different than what I'm normally seeing them doing. That's almost always my favorite things they do. I'm like you, Jason. I'd go, I'd go see that. I'm not a Shining fan. That's my, you know, whatever people say, you know, your unpopular opinion in horror. That's always mine. I'm not a fan of The Shining. You know, I've seen it. I could probably watch it again and like it, but it's just not even probably in my top 50 scary movies of all time. You know, and a lot of people put it in their top five or 10. Well, and what's ironic is when we get into the movie we're going to be uh, talking about here in just a little bit, it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying. It's it's uh, from a serious author and filmmaker and kind of goes back into that horror comedy world. So, so uh, Bloody Disgusting reports that Sega Genesis is uh, releasing the Mini 2. It's announced for October 27th. And the horror part of this is it includes Splatterhouse 2 and the Ooze and several more games. Uh, Mansion of Hidden Souls, Alien Sh Soldier, a lot of fun games, Night Stalker, Outrun, you know, not all horror, but Splatterhouse 2 is always a fun time. You, you had me at Splatterhouse. That's that all-in-one system, right? Yeah, yeah, the games are built into it. It's, you know, along the lines of the Nintendo Mini, and then they had a Super Nintendo, and they're kind of all going back and putting games into those systems and releasing them. It's all included, no cartridge or anything and they seem to sell out quick people go crazy on them you know, and then you wait a little while and the price is tripled on ebay and uh, if you want one you get one early and hopefully you can play it and your kids don't take it over i'm curious if that's just for nostalgia for old timers like us or if that's like the soften the blow for this new generation to get back into single player games like that because you know like our kids are all roughly the same age you know, they grew up and continue to grow up in this world of online gaming, which is cool, but it's just, that's all there is. And, you know, like the new uh, uh, Evil Dead game came out. There is like a single player mode in that, but it's not really any fun. The game's designed to play with people online. And I just want to go back to sitting down with a Mountain Dew and a bag of Doritos and some Jolt Cola and some Pixie Sticks and dedicating a weekend to killing people in Splatterhouse. That's awesome. And I haven't picked up the new Evil Dead game. You know, you hear mixed reviews, but I did see the news that the Evil Dead game will be having an Evil Dead 3 map. It, yeah, it, ju it just came out. So they're at the army, they're at the, the castle of Kandar there. I haven't played it. I haven't had any freaking time. I got the game and uh, I, I hate to knock it because I love the franchise, but I, I wasn't a fan of it just because it resembled to me Fortnite. And I'm like, if I wanted to play Fortnite, I'd play Fortnite. Where the Friday the 13th game, I don't know, that was a little more 
inclusive. And but you you played the Evil Dead game, and it's just kind of insane. There's just stuff happening all over the place all the time, and it's hard to focus. And all right, well, let's take it back to Jason with the financial report. Well, nothing's changed this week. We're all still poor. We still have spending habits. Maybe someday it'll change, but probably not with us. So I picked up a few things this week, uh, horror related. I got the Fog um, 4K is coming out through Scream Factory. They have a pre-sale on uh, Stevie Wayne NECA figure. Um, I think, Clint, you picked it up too, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you sent me news of that, so I grabbed that too. Yeah, yeah. So I went ahead and grabbed the little bundle. Um, I ordered mine through Sacred Bones, which I'm kind of thinking maybe was a mistake now, which it's fine. It's fine. But if I think if we would have ordered through Scream Factory, we would have got the free poster with it. Oh, you just ordered the figure, though, didn't you? I just ordered the figure. It was through Sacred Bones. In fact, because I had never heard of Sacred Bones, so I sent you a message saying, hey, is this legit? Because when I typed up the address and everything, it just looked kind of funky. Yeah, yeah. They do a lot of stuff with John Carpenter. He releases a lot of his stuff there. It's a legit thing. They have a lot of like exclusive John Carpenter stuff. So um, the news kind of broke on there first about this figure, the 4K. It comes with a little 7-inch record with it. That's cool looking. So I was all in. I love the fog. It's like really grown on me in the last few years. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of it. So had to grab the Stevie Wayne figure limited to 4,000. Of course it sold out pretty damn quick, like all the screen factory stuff. And yeah, I bought the 4k movie. I love the movie. I don't, I don't own a copy of the movie. So every time I need to watch it, I have to go through something like that. And I was going to buy the Blu-ray, but I knew something 4k was going to be coming. Not that I'm a 4k snob, but I always want to buy the best available or the best of what's going to be available for the next several years. Uh, that was pretty cool. Grab that. Um, Nancy Loomis, uh, she started signing again. She played Annie in Halloween. I was actually going to have Clint grab me a few autographs of her, but then I found some speaking of like the days of the dead website, they had a sale 30% off of everything. I ended up picking up two Nancy Loomis autograph JSA authenticated pictures for like 30 bucks each. Now I've got like three or four of her. So I'm good to go before it was kind of weird. She was hard to find her autographs would sell kind of high just because there wasn't the supply out there. So, but now she's back to signing and prices have come down and I've picked up a few. Uh, A couple movies I picked up, Hocus Pocus, I grabbed it on 4K, Amazon and Walmart had it on like for 14, 15 bucks, which I didn't think was horrible. I probably could have found it cheaper at some point, but I went ahead and grabbed it. And then um, I've always wanted Godzilla versus Kong and with Prime Day this week, that for $9.99. So I got Godzilla versus Kong, 4K with the Blu-ray and digital copy. I'm pretty happy. I really want to watch that on my 4K disc, like to get the best picture. I like that movie. So I know Brian will be proud that got some more Godzilla. Well, I was going to say that's going to make Brian Clark happy. And he's probably mad at me off my answer for the cryptid question from the last episode. So that's, that's pretty much what I got. There'll be more in a couple of weeks. What about you guys? Well, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I kind of like this guy named Joe Bob Briggs. Ding. Ding. Yeah, the counter started. I didn't know this was coming. I'm a part of the Discord for the Lost Drive-In. Um, it's Darcy's going back and redoing all his old Monster Vision stuff. Um, but you get awesome perks with it. So this showed up in the mail. It's the Lost Drive-In Presents Night of the Living Dead on Blu-ray with all the commentary, um, some added six minutes of footage 
from a cast reunion panel that has never aired anywhere else is on this disc. So I'm happy I'll check that out. Amazon Prime. Look what I got. Godzilla vs. Kong on 4K. <laughs> I don't own it, and Finley loves this movie, so I picked that up. Twinsies. Um, and probably my favorite thing that I got when I was looking through Prime, I found some postcards. So I got some Godzilla postcards that are kind of cool. Like 24 of them for like 15 bucks. They're just different Godzilla. Like that one's an x-ray of Godzilla. You can see like his insides. I think there's a Godzilla versus King Kong in here somewhere. But vintage postcards I'm going to send out. Or Finley's already taken a couple of them. That's all I've got. All my other stuff's pre-order. So save that for when it comes in. And then there might be a Joe Bob thing or two in that pre-order stuff. Ding. What about you, Clint? Uh, yeah, so I got a, a small list of stuff here again i i really gotta stop i really gotta slow down but i can't the, the deeper you go into this world of of collectibles <clears throat> movie props and toys and action figures the more you see you know and it's it's kind of for me it's gone past scratching beneath the surface and now i'm like somewhere down in the bowels of financial hell looking at all this stuff we'll try to keep this short and sweet as jason was talking about i too got uh the action figure of stevie wayne you know what's interesting about that is, Jason, you say that it sold out real quick. There's not even a picture of the action, action figure yet. There's like a picture of the box, and then it just says, picture coming soon, you know? But, I mean, if it's coming from... Uh, no, i got to stop here. Is it Shout Factory or is it Scream Factory? You guys usually say Scream. I usually say Shout. I thought it was the same company. It is. So Shout Factory is the name of the company, but their horror stuff is Scream Factory. Okay. It's exactly the same thing, though. All their horror stuff is branded Scream Factory. I give them my money. I don't know what the hell they're called, but so. But anyway, um, it's interesting that sold out without the picture. Any anybody knows that pretty much anything coming from Scream Factory, it's quality. You know what I mean? It's something that has value and that people want to collect and have. So uh, I got that pre-ordered. I can't remember when it's supposed to be here. I think it's going to be a while, like later this year. Uh, on the last episode when we discussed the Black Phone. I wasn't for sure if I was going to get the Me TV exclusive Svengooly action figure. Well, I went ahead and got it. Got a deal. I got a guy to come down on the price a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so, yeah, I've added that. He's on my wall awaiting Rich Kaz's signature. I picked up an Eddie Munson Stranger Things action figure. And thankfully, my daughter doesn't listen to these episodes, but she's a fan, too. And I picked up two. And I'm driving her crazy with mine because I'm going to give her one for Christmas. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that. So, yeah, but I'm like, look at what I got. She's like, that's cool. And I'm like, it sure is, isn't it? Looks good up on the wall. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I'm not a, not the biggest Stranger Things fan, um, but I have seen some episodes from here and there. But that the Eddie Munson character, I enjoyed watching him. I got sucked into season four there. Uh, his scene, you know, Metallica, Master of Puppets metal scene was epic because of all that. His merchandise is starting to fly off the shelves. I was watching these action figures, and as soon as you know, they'd get down to a couple, they'd restock them, they'd sell out. They'd restock them, they'd sell out. I don't think it's necessarily something that's limited. It's something that uh, that might be someday based off his popularity. So um, anyway, and then I came across, this is from LB3D Design, and you can <clears throat> go to lb3d-design.com. This guy does custom 3d printed pieces which you're seeing a lot more of that too but he's got a slew of characters and a lot of his stuff you don't see anywhere else 
Uh, so I ordered a Herschel Gordon Lewis action figure, which where the hell else are you going to get a Herschel Gordon Lewis action figure? And he's got a little clapboard, which is cool. He just came out, and this is a pre-order. I think it comes, I think I'll get it in September. The Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. There's a couple of Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt uh, action figures floating around, but most of them are, I don't know, they're just kind of cheesy or cartoony. Or This one this guy came up with is phenomenal. So, And then lastly... Through the Valentine Bluffs fan film, I had, you know, backed that movie and bought a bunch of different perks. I was talking with Chuck Ryan, who played the minor in that movie that is, uh, in post production. It should be coming out hopefully later this year, early next year, hopefully soon. But Chuck Ryan played the minor in the movie and he constructs all these movie prop pickaxes and they're signed by Peter Cowper, who played the original minor. In the 1981 My Bloody Valentine. So I talked with Chuck the other day, and um, my my pickaxe should be coming this week. But I just got another perk, and it's the Valentine Bluffs light-up VHS tape. So it's obviously not a playable cassette. Um, it's an art piece, but, you know, they've got a heart painted on it. And there's blood everywhere, and it says Valentine Bluffs, and it's got the LEDs in there, and it came in an old-school VHS cassette case. And just a cool piece to display. Let me look over my list here. I think that's everything that is. How sad is it that we have to make lists? <laughs> <laughs> right? Did I did I cover everything? I don't know. I like that Crypt Keeper you bought. I was checking it out, and it has since sold out. Not available. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was just like a limited time thing, or maybe more will come up, but who knows with like these custom things. Um, it does look cool. Like, I wouldn't mind um, one of those. The Stranger Things, uh, Eddie Munson. That's kind of cool. Have you seen all the videos with Metallica? Uh, playing along with Eddie. They put on like the Hellfire shirts and then they played Master of Puppets and that's pretty awesome that they're kind of, you know, all into it. Of course, I'm sure it's making them some money, the popularity of that song again. And it's always been a great song, but you know, I'm sure people haven't heard it so that aren't in that life. You've seen the memes where like it's the people from Metallica and they're like, you owe us money for using our song. You didn't have the rights to it. Well, then I've seen people, you know, complaining and knocking. Oh, you know, it took Stranger Things to let this generation know that Metallica Master of Puppets was a good album and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of like, so what? So what if it took that? It It's cool that it, it introduced a younger generation to some older music. And maybe now they'll explore some stuff they wouldn't have before. Who cares? If, hell, it could have been Teletubbies. I don't care, you know. And my wife, who's never, she doesn't like metal music, stuff like that. You know, she, she appreciates some Metallica. We were sitting outside last week and not because of the stranger things, but we were talking about something. She's like, oh, you know, put on some Metallica. That sounds good. I'm like, oh, really? She does not listen to metal at all, anything, but you know, Metallica's, they do have some good songs that it is metal, but they are great songs anyway, just in everyday listening. So the cool thing about the uh, the actor who plays Eddie Munson also kind of getting off on the side side tangent here was I just saw footage where he was at a con in London or Europe or somewhere. And I think it was like his first con or whatever. And he was getting you know showered with this praise and appreciation from the fans just for you know his portrayal in that show and how people connected to him and everything. And you see the guy break down in tears. He was having this emotional moment, which is really cool because. It shows that he's not some stone cold Hollywood actor or whatever. You know what I mean? He looked completely different in that video. When I started watching it, I was like, oh, who's this guy? Like without like the long hair and stuff, it just kind of, and his hair was like, wasn't it like combed back and stuff or something? I don't know, but I, I didn't recognize him at first. 
Brian, do you have something to add to this conversation? Well, I just think it's great that, like with Stranger Things bringing people back to Metallica, how many of us would never know who Goblin was if we didn't watch these movies? How many of us would know who uh, Hellbender was, you know, the family from Hellbender, if they weren't, that movie wasn't on Shudder? How many of us would know a lot of this stuff? The other song from Stranger Things is like an 80s song that the girl kept listening to. And now I'm hearing it on playlists when I put on my Spotify. Like there's so much that pulls into these movies, you know, the newer stuff, Hereditary and Midsommar and the Black Phone, all that stuff's pulling in all this music that we would probably never listen to. And a lot of mainstream people wouldn't listen to if it wasn't in these movies. Well, then you get people there. There's a lot of Metallica haters out there. I'm always in the kind of Metallica is not like my favorite band in the whole freaking world, you know. But what's interesting, what's interesting is this younger generation gets introduced to that Metallica song, type it up in a playlist. And then all of a sudden, if you do that, you're going to get the big four. All of a sudden, Slayer is going to be playing and Anthrax is going to be playing and Death Angel is going to be playing. And it's going to take whoever on this journey into music past Metallica, past Stranger Things into a world they might have not have known anything about. So. It's a joy, a joy for everybody. I mean, I find joy in find in it's. A, I have a new appreciation since I've started doing this podcast and watching these movies to the soundtracks and music in these movies. You know, it's almost as much fun as the movies, especially with Jason being a huge collector. You know, I'm not listening to the Friday Thirteenth soundtrack, but when I go to his house, we throw it on, and it's just fun to have in the background. Just a joy that we another layer to all of this. Music drives the whole damn thing, man. That's it. Anytime I've ever written a story or a screenplay or I've got an idea for a video shoot, nine times out of 10, it's because of a song I heard. I had mentioned, a, I don't know, multiple episodes back, started writing a screenplay for a sequel to Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. And that all started, I was at my day job and this song called, it was titled Strangulation by Fear, by the, the band Fear, came on. I was listening to it and for whatever reason, it sparked out. All of a sudden, I had this whole scene mapped out, uh, you know, starring Brian. It was really weird. Any scene starring Brian is really weird. Yeah. We kind of got off on a tangent, but maybe we can like, uh, I don't know, have Metallica sponsor this now to give us some money to pay for these collectibles. We talked about them a lot. Speaking of that, how about we take it to a sponsor? I like it spooky. Hey everybody, Clint here from the I Like It Spooky podcast. If you have listened before, then you know this is when we showcase a commercial for the sponsor of an episode. We decided to take this spot today to let you know if you have interest in sponsoring an episode, all you have to do is send your name, business, and contact info to ilikeitspookypod at gmail.com. We will then get back to you with trade, rate, and fee info. And a contract written in blood so this is a horror news reviews and entertainment show but you do not have to be genre related to advertise to our audience you could be looking to get the word out on an event we're trying to reach the masses and let them know about casting calls for your next production hell you could be wanting to fill a dispatch position at your local hospital Dispatch. Stand. 
Maybe you own a coffee shop or want to let people know about your Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign. Maybe you are the actress who played the waitress in Maximum Overdrive and you're looking for work. Hell, I don't know. Maybe you want to let the world know about your new escort service. Hey, Clint. Yeah, I don't think we can do that one. So remember, if you want to be a featured sponsor of one of the fastest growing podcasts around, send your info to ilikeitspookypod at gmail.com. Well, now that we've heard from our sponsor, let's get to the movie. So this episode, we are covering the 1986 horror movie classic, Maximum Overdrive. guys think all the all the movies we watch are classics they are <laughs> not the same thing when he said he said horror classic i'm like man really okay every single one they become classics when we cover them for the podcast that's the level we need to get to someday we're like the stranger things of maximum overdrive we will we will make it huge again maybe we should introduce the movie like this instead of horror classic we are going to say <clears throat> And this week on the I Like a Spooky podcast, we're going to be discussing the Stephen King cocaine written and directed, or cocaine fueled written and directed Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> that makes it more of a classic. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I, the opening of the movie was just, it was great. Uh, we get Stephen King, first person we see pretty much, walking up to the ATM. And I, I just love that. Hey, sugar pie. This machine called me an asshole. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I love Stephen King's cameos. That's so good that it's the opening one and kind of shows you like shit's going down. Machines are starting to revolt. Yeah, it doesn't take long for this movie to get going. You know you know what I loved about the opening scene? And this is maybe, I don't know, maybe going deep and giving the movie a little more credit than a lot of people do. Because a lot of people are just like, this is um, the opening scene. It shows in just that scene. I mean, it shows how reliant we are on machines. It shows how vulnerable we are and how quickly everything falls apart. You know, those people are on that bridge. The The bridge controls itself and starts to raise up the bridge going over the river. I guess maybe it's easier to say watching that and not being on that bridge and dealing with that. But it seems like a pretty simple fix. The bridge is moving. Everybody back up or get out of your cars. The people will back up, get off the bridge. But everybody flips out. And you see that in a lot of these. And not that this is necessarily an apocalyptic movie, but it, it lives in that world a little bit. You see in these apocalypse movies where people just they don't know what to do. You interrupt their algorithm and they're just fucking lost. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you uh, the human brain has to process something before you act for the most part. Like something like that. Of course, if you're somewhere and there's 
violence going on and you recognize it real quick, you know to run. This day and age now, if I was sitting on a bridge and I didn't realize that and maybe I'm on my phone or something and I'm like, oh, what the hell do I do? But then you notice when the bridge starts going up, the back part of the bridge where they run, it also dips down below the road. So you would have to like run and jump because people were sliding right out of the end of that. And that was a great, you know, ACDC music playing opening watermelons getting smashed everywhere hell even the acdc van was stuck on the bridge <laughs> yeah and the two guys in the van looked like they weren't getting out regardless they were just like whoa man and the guy right at the top of the bridge he just uh, tries to like gun his car but gets high centered and he's not going anywhere he was kind of screwed he's got the longest to drop i wonder what the best way to do it would be is to do you just jump in the water i guess it depends how far it is and probably your best bet would be to jump in the water we got to prepare for this, guys. Like, what, what do we do? We need to tell our listeners what <laughs> save some lives here. What you don't do is go to a truck stop because, I mean, you know, some of the people got out alive. But uh, being in a truck stop in this situation was probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't go to a ba- little league baseball game. Speaking of the truck stop, this is kind of a, a typical Stephen King story. So, I mean, Stephen King, you know, wrote this. It was based off a short it was actually based off a short called Trucks that was included in his first collection of, of short stories, uh, Night Shift. You know, when that was released, don't you, Clint? Night Shift? Yeah. What year did Night Shift come out? 1978. There you go. See, there's something about 78. So but a typical Stephen King story, it has a lot of characters. Almost, you know, if you watch this, it's kind of like the, the MTV version of The Mist. A lot of characters trapped inside a building, monsters outside. They squabble and try to figure out, and they, there's a pecking order, and they fight for who's in control and who's in charge, and there's always an asshole trying to ruin everything. So I don't mean to water it down because it's a great story and a great movie. So I liked how they set it up before everybody got to the truck stop. You kind of saw like a lot of the characters outside of the truck stop, like what's going on out in the world. Like the little the kid, he's playing baseball, and then they're like, hey, we won. Let's go celebrate with some sodas, you know? And what I found funny about that, he was like, sodas are on me. And he had like 50 cents in his hand, and he puts it in the machine. And I was like, where's the rest of his money? <laughs> like He's going to drink it all or whatever. And- yeah, I know this is the mid to late 80s, but it's still going to cost more than that to get the whole team there. Right. And then the pop machine revolts. That was pretty good, like special effects too. Dude took a can right to the head. And then as he's laying there dying, he has like a Coke or the can imprint on the bottom or on his head. And I forget the kid's name, but he's trying to like, he's using the coach as a shield. He gets down, gets his little catcher's mask. And I felt bad for that kid though. I felt bad for the kid who got rolled over by the steamroller. Everybody's trying to escape. There was a couple kids like laid out there that had gotten hit by pop cans. So you wonder with them, like, did they die from that? They weren't very close. I don't know if a pop can can really kill you from that distance. I mean, I don't, I don't want to find out. Like the coach took one right to the head, like point blank. So I wonder about those kids. Did they wake up later and be like, what the hell's going on? We should probably back up a little bit because we just jumped right in. But so uh, the, the premise of this movie is earth enters uh, a comet goes by in space goes by earth and earth is stuck in the tail of the comet for it was eight days they lead you to believe that that is the reason all of a sudden all the machines if you haven't seen this movie all the machines on earth go crazy take on lives of their own you know and try to kill humans the lawnmower tries to mow people down and trucks obviously are, are the big monsters in this thing and 
to drive themselves and try to run people down. I mean, anything and everything. The the uh, they wind up in a diner. The waitress, who is the most annoying character in this whole movie, I could not stand the waitress. There's a uh, little battery operated saw, carving saw for you know carving up meat and stuff. Bitter in the arm and video game machines electrify people. It's just machines versus people. I think Lisa Simpson was the most annoying person in the whole movie, but I mean, it was like, we, we could have done without her, especially at the end when they're, we'll get to the end, but she's just fucking annoying throughout the whole movie anyway. You know, what's funny about that. I'll fast forward way ahead. Later on, as they try to escape from the diner and there's uh, the kind of the secondary character cowboy guy and he's putting her, when he says Lisa Simpson, Jason's talking about the, the actress in the movie is the same person who voiced Lisa Simpson on The Simpsons. And he's, but so the cowboy character is trying to put her down the sewer drain and she's just, yep, 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 yep. And you see his face. He's just like rolling his eyes. Uh huh. Jesus Christ. Well, she shut up. Uh huh. So before we get to the diner, we get the kid that's on the bicycle. That's with the baseball team. They never got their sodas. Um, we get main female, the female lead of the movie who's with the Bible salesman who's a pervert. And then we get Lisa Simpson and her husband. Who's probably one of the more likable characters in the movie. Curtis! Yeah, Curtis. And she's like the least likable character in the movie just because of her voice. Is that like everybody that comes from outside of the... Everybody else is already there. Oh, we get the truck driver that is driving the goblin truck. Um, He shows up early in the movie. And he's a mainstay of like all movies. I was like, God, I know that guy. I can't think of his name. But he's in like so many movies. You recognize his face right right away. I think that's everybody that we get. But that's like that's like six people on top of everybody that's already at the truck stop. So yeah, like you said, Clint, there's like a ton of characters in this movie. Well, and I tell you, one one of the things I liked about this movie, you'll probably hear me a lot. Melissa pointed this out to me. She goes, you're all about nostalgia, Clint. And I'm like, really? And she was like, yeah, because she listens to the episodes. And she's like, you're always talking about this reminds me when I was a kid. This reminds me when I was a kid. Well, I'm sorry. This movie reminds me when I was a kid. I was... In 1986, I was eight years old, riding my bike around town on a hot summer Saturday. All of the things that I saw in this movie reminded, I didn't grow up in North Carolina, but it's very, very close to where I grew up here in southern mid-Michigan. Everything looked the same. A lot of trees, a lot of truck stops, a lot of old buildings. All the people in this movie played it straight, man, and they were all people that I have met in my life. Besides that annoying waitress who I couldn't stand, she just was over the top in her performance. But everybody talked the way that I know, and it was just very relatable. You were talking about nostalgia. This is a place that you want to be on a trip with your parents, and you pull into this truck stop, and you get breakfast, or you get lunch, and you go to the video game room after, you know, you're done eating lunch, and you play some games, and then you get back in the car, and you finish the rest of your trip. This is the kind of place you know you're going to get a big meal because there's a bunch of truckers there, the food's probably going to be good you're going to play some games and have fun and then be on your way i want to go there now they blew it up but i'd go there now and eat i mean let's go let's play some games and play the claw machine and whatever games they have and i'm good to go let's go this place is the exact place that you know we'd be on a road trip and we yeah you're right we'd stop we'd have lunch and dad would have a couple beers and him and i would shoot a game of pool and i'd go play in the arcade and then we'd get gas and we'd head on down the road going to to my aunt's house. Well, I don't understand why everybody hates on this movie. A lot of people, including Stephen King to this day, talks about how this is like, he apologizes for this movie over and over and over. And I'm like, you know, it's not your typical Stephen King. It's not melodramatic. It's not super dark. It's not moody. 
but that doesn't mean that it's not good. It's very enjoyable. I've seen it a ton of times, and I'll continue watching it. This is probably my favorite Stephen King movie. Like, if I'm going to throw one on just to have fun and enjoy, this is, I mean, outside of Shawshank Redemption, which is based on a short that he wrote, that's my favorite movie of all time. This is probably my favorite horror-based Stephen King movie. I can't think of anything. It's not Ed. It's not The Shining. It's Silver Bullet, Stephen King. Yep. So, that I mean, that's up there, too. But just sheer fun, throw it on, watch it. You know, have a fun time. This is probably it for me as far as Stephen King goes. People hate this movie. I went, I was doing some research for the movie and I was like, oh, I always look like how long it is, when it come out, what its rating is on Rotten Tomatoes. 15%. This movie has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 15%? Really? Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and defend it and say it is, you know, a cinematic masterpiece. Because it's not. But it is a fun, solid nostalgic movie it actually has a couple super creepy moments the bible salesman uh i think it was the happy toys goblin truck got tired of him standing in the parking lot running his mouth and because he made you hate him great actor and so the happy toys truck knocked him into the ravine and later on deke the young boy who was riding his bike around the neighborhood running from the ice cream machine who was trying to kill him twisted metal comes to the sewer pipe he sees the guy laying there. The Bible salesman looks like he's dead. Deke says, uh, decides he can't help him. He goes away. And that guy comes to life and grabs him. And he's like, take me with you. Or so help me, God, I'll kill you. And the voice that he says it in, it was just creepy as shit. And I'm like, man, if I was that kid, I would have had a freaking heart attack. So it's got scary moments. It's got fun moments. It is a little more testosterone filled. There's a lot of explosions, a lot of guns and stuff like that. It's just another thing going back to like the bridge. Uh, the young married couple is driving and they come across the dead bodies at the gas station. They knew something went wrong. That's kind of another thing. Like you don't come across this too often. So you're kind of like, what the hell do we do? And of course they go and try and check it out and see if they can help somebody and see this truck driving by and they're trying to flag it down for help. Then it tries to take them out because they have no idea that these machines have come to life. So it just kind of puts the character in it like real life. Like what would they do? And it kind of shows what they did. And, a little bit of panic caught on pretty quick what was going on. And I don't think they got the full scale of it till they got to the diner and, you know, it lasted a few days. And I wish we would know how many days it exactly was like that they were at the diner. Do you think it just happened like over just like one or two days there? Yeah, it was, it was two days there because it happened. And then it was, no, actually it was, they were there for, so it happened. There was nighttime. Cause remember you could see the, the green sky at night. The sky was like this glowing green. And then they got up the next day, and that's, I think, when they were, the machines had brought in the military gun car, communicating through Morse code that if they didn't fill up all these trucks with gas, they were going to shoot them and kill them all. So they gave them gas all day, and then it was that night that they escaped and went to the marina. So just a couple nights. I was cracking up how fast uh, Bill and Brett fell in love, <laughs> like the Emilio Estevez character and that girl. They meet each other and then like literally the next day, they're pretty much husband and wife caring for each other and seemed like they had been together for a long time. That was just funny how that. Well, the world's coming to an end. Needs a little partner. Just trying to find love in the end times. <laughs> hey, it was 80s. It was different back then. You got the asshole boss like of the owner of the diner taking advantage of the situation. Corrupt guy, but luckily he had tons of weapons down in the basement. Kind of helped the movie go along, you know. Bubba Hendershot, played by Pat Hingle, and I quote that guy to this day. People, I do that a lot, man. Just I pick up little lines from movies, and that's how I talk. But that's one of the lines, like to this day, if you ask me something and I'm like, I don't know, I'm like, fuck if I know, Bubba. Fuck if I know. 
It's just like a natural response that I say that. Did you guys notice that the Bible salesman is taking that girl to the, the Dixie boy? She get They're arguing when she's getting out of the car. And I had to rewind it because I was like, did I hear what I thought I just heard? Lisa Simpson, the actress that plays Lisa Simpson, her voice is Lisa Simpson in The Simpsons, is in this movie. And this movie came out in 86. The Simpsons started December 1989. She gets out of the car and she's arguing with Bible salesmen. At one point she says, eat my shorts. Just like that. And I'm like, did she just say eat my shorts? I did hear that. Yeah, you think that had anything to do with, because that's like Bart Simpson's catchphrase on The Simpsons. Eat my shorts, man. They picked that up there, or Lisa Simpson heard it, or... They had to have. I was like, that's crazy how that, like, folds into this big, like we always talk, it all folds together. So it was the it was the actress who played Brett that came in with the, uh, with the Bible salesman that said, eat my shorts. Yearly Smith is the actress who voiced Lisa Simpson. So it wasn't her that said, eat my shorts, it was the actress who played Brett. Yeah, so you got to wonder if they, you know she heard that line. If Yearly Smith heard that line, it was like, oh. But so here, here's a crazy thought. Here's a theory. You see all the time about how people say the Simpsons. They basically predict modern future. You guys see the, you know, oh, the Simpsons said this was going to happen ten years ago with political thing or whatever. So the Simpsons are now you're saying influenced by Stephen King. So basically, Stephen King knows everything. He's like Nostradamus. That's it. <laughs> you think he knows when the next black phone's coming out? He might, since his kid's the one who wrote it. You know what I mean? Well, we'll just act like he knows because he knows, not because his son's the one that wrote the movie. No, it's funny you brought up Joe Hill because when I was doing some research for this movie, I found that in 2020, Joe Hill said he had a great idea to remake this movie and wanted to direct it. I didn't hear or find anything beyond that, but it was just interesting. And then, of course, that reminded me about the 1997 remake of Maximum Overdrive that was made for TV, and it was simply called Trucks. I couldn't get all the way through it. I don't know if you guys have watched any of it. It was made for TV, had Timothy Busfield in it, which I like Timothy Busfield as an actor, but it was very serious. It lost all its humanity. It did not do well. I don't know anybody who, who likes it, so I don't care for it. I've never heard of it. I've heard of it. It was made for the USA Network. And I remember when it came out, and I remember, oh, cool, Maximum Overdrive remake, you know? And I started watching it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this crap? Let's go to something else. I probably put in Maximum Overdrive. I think they could do well doing a remake now. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, Jason, watching the movie, and you have that poster that Clint wants that's beautiful. We've talked about that a lot. How is, of everything they've remade, like, how has this not been remade? We're like, 40 years past what the movie was, and we are a million times more reliant on technology than we were back then. I mean, you imagine if your cell phone didn't work for seven days, people would lose their shit. Just if their cell phone didn't work. You imagine if everything else, if you went downstairs and was like, turn on that basement, and you're like, was like, fuck you, Jason. I ain't turning on shit. And all of a sudden you hear the garage door eating your wife or something, you know, People would lose their shit. We talked about that yesterday. My wife was at work and I was putting in some more smart home features here in my house. I sent her little videos of what I was doing and how it works. And she was like, it's going to turn into that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. She was like, the Terminator. She was like, the computers are going to take over and fuck us up. I'm like, no, they won't. Stop. Skynet. So we related as like Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Taking over. But yeah, you're right. If your cell phone revolted against you as you're sitting there talking, it could just zap everybody. 
I get made fun of all the time because I'm not a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist by any means. With that said, I do things like I have held on to all my old encyclopedias and all my grandfather's older encyclopedias. And everyone's like, why are you lugging all these freaking heavy books around? And I was like, hey, if the shit ever hits the fan, you know what I mean? Then I've got information right there. And everybody's like, it's outdated. And I was like, but it's still information. A lot of stuff is still done the same way. So you can look it up. What do you think about that? If Unless you know those kinds of things, if shit hit the fan and YouTube wasn't around and you need to purify water unless you know how to do it, like now you can just go on YouTube and watch a video and it'll show you how to do it. If there's no YouTube, unless you know how to do that or know somebody that does, you need that information from a book somewhere. You know, what kind of food can I eat? What kind of berries are poisonous? All that kind of shit is on the internet. And it, But if there's no internet, you're shit out of luck. So we're all going to have to go to Michigan so we can read Clint's books. I was about to say, we can't call Clint. Come on down. We're, we're going to start a commune. But just know you're coming in so I get, to, I get to run the show, okay? Oh, man. Like, I'm like, hey, you, go fetch me some berries. Hey, you, go boil me some water. I read from the book. But how are we going to get to his house if we don't have our GPS on our phones? And Oh, shit, yeah. I haven't owned an atlas in years. <laughs> Did I mention the whole box of maps that I have? I, I literally have paper maps for every state. I have one of those big atlases that's like fucking 24 by 36 like atlas. The whole United States in it. You know, you're right, though. We are we are more reliant on technology now than we were in 1986, 1987 when this movie came out. The same theories are being explored, you know, like <clears throat> Stephen King, I think, was talking about in this movie a little bit. Like Emilio Estevez had the line. I'm paraphrasing. Someone had said something to him about, you know, like, why are the machines trying to take this world over or something? And. And he says, was it ever really ours? King explores that a lot, like like the title track of the ACDC song, Who Did Make Who? Is this really ours? Who is in control? And it just, I, I like that about this movie because you pay attention, it wasn't just an MTV music video. There were, there were some um, ideas being explored about, you know, hey, maybe we're not at the top of the pecking order like we think we are. Well, but like my favorite person in the movie, the, the waitress said, we made you. I think she screamed it a couple of times, you know. Well, only she screamed it about as many times as Brian mentions uh, Joe Bob in an episode, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Didn't end well for her. So <laughs> take note, Brian. You were talking about that trucks movie, Clint. I guess it's more along the lines of the actual story than Maximal Overdrive is. Maybe a little more serious, so harder to get into without the comedy of it. It's not on my watch list. This movie, too, is I, I don't consider it a horror comedy. And I don't know what it was about. And this came out from the same studio that did Trick or Treat, you know, the first movie that we covered since I've come on the show. Is it Jason Dino De La, how do you say it? Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, thank you. Um, I don't know what it is that like all movies from there were labeled horror comedies. I don't consider this a comedy. Yes, there was some levity. Yes, Stephen King saying, honey, this machine's calling me an asshole. And the digital temperature reader saying 79 degrees fuck you, 79 degrees, fuck you. It's funny, but it's not like it's set out to be a comedy. It just had some funny things happen in it. A lot of horror movies do that, though, where they'll just throw something funny in to make you laugh and doesn't label it a comedy, just that moment. I think somewhere along the line, somebody thought, oh, if we call this a horror comedy, more people are more likely to watch it or download it or buy it or kind of like how we read the synopsis for some of these movies and you're like, that has nothing. Who wrote this fucking synopsis? Just somebody decided one day, oh, Maximum Drive, I laughed once, it's a horror comedy. Oh, Trick or Treat, yeah, that one about that uh, music. 
it's a horror musical. It's not labeled that, but you know what I mean? Like, are they just buzzing through these and throwing whatever they on on there to try to get people to watch it? It's possible, yeah, bro- broaden the uh, the target audience. Because me personally, if, if I were to label this, I would call it a, a horror, a sci-fi horror, horror sci-fi. It has more because it deals with a comet. And then actually kind of getting back into the movie at, towards the end, there's a blurb. And it references that it wasn't the comet, a UFO was shot down. And so maybe it was aliens controlling everything, which I actually kind of believe more than the comet. Because as this movie goes on, like the Happy Toys truck becomes a more predominant monster truck character. And some of the bulldozer and stuff, you actually hear them growl. The bulldozer actually laughs a little bit. He's got this... As he's like rolling over the cars and stuff. That's not from a comic. Cars don't laugh. I could believe more that it was some sort of crazy alien control. And Emilio Estevez talks about that. After they get done fueling the cars, he talks about maybe this isn't the comet. He said, maybe this is the broom. Brett, the, the girlfriend there, is like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, think about it. It's like if you're looking for a new house and you find one, but it's dirty. And so you come in and you clean it out. He said, well, Earth is like this big old house with these aliens and it's dirty and it's polluted. And now they're sending in their broom to clean us all up so they can make it theirs. That to me was a more believable you know, possibility. This was the first time I ever noticed that at the end. I don't know why, but I read it and I'm like, what? A UFO? I always thought it was the the tail of the thing. And I remember reading like, oh, you know, the tail of the thing passed two days later and everything was fine. But I, I did not remember the UFO part until I was watching it this time. I actually took a picture of the end of the screen and I was like, UFO? What the hell? So all these times I've watched, I guess I haven't paid enough paid enough attention to, but I had to now because, of course, we're going to be talking about it. You know, something else I wish I would have seen from this movie is it was originally, and it, anybody who's a fan of this movie knows what I'm talking about, but this movie was apparently butchered as far as being edited and cut, so it didn't have an X rating in 1986. There were supposed to be a lot. The scenes were supposed to be gorier. There was a lot cut out, so you know the MPAA got a hold of it. But I read that, to the best of my knowledge, no one has seen the original director's uncut with all the footage that got taken out. I don't know if it exists. Maybe it does, and I haven't heard of it. But uh, from what I read, one of the few people to see it was George Romero. Stephen King showed the uncut version of George Romero, and it reportedly made him physically sick. And so that just has my interest sparked. Like, I show me the gore. And you can see it in the movie a little bit. Like, there's scenes where, like, it gets to where there's some blood and guts, and then it, it stops, it cuts real quick, and goes to something else. Yeah, I'd like to see an unedited version. Maybe if it ever gets, like, a 4K treatment or something, that they can add some of that in for the special features. But otherwise, I doubt we'd probably ever see it if we haven't seen it after, you know, 40 years. If you go on the Internet Movie Database, there's a list. And I didn't even read them all. I didn't write them all. I'd spend half the show just read them all. But there is a list of supposed deleted scenes like, you know, this blah, 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 this blah, blah, blah. It says here that King's thoughts and further info on all these cuts can be read in the book, The Lost Work of Stephen King. And that was written by Stephen J. I'm going to try not to butcher this last name. Spignesi. I think it's a S-P-I-G-N-E-S-I. So I've never heard of that, but I'm going to have to check it out. So dive into those cuts a little more. How in the hell have we got 4K remake, all these treatments on all these movies, maybe five people have watched, and we haven't got 4K director's cut of Maximum Overdrive. 
I'm going to say what I always say. It's about money because they said this movie was estimated it cost about $10 million to make, and it only made $3.2 mil opening weekend. If I understood it correctly, since then, worldwide, it's only made $7.5 mil. I find it hard to believe that it's never made what it costs to make the movie, especially with it being you know over 30 years old. But So regardless, though, it was not financially successful. Well, maybe they need to sell some licensing rights so we can each get a Happy Toys truck. Good God bless you, sir. I would love, I've seen a couple of customs that people have done, you know, where they take like a Transformers truck and make it a happy toy. But I, yeah, I want a legitimate happy toys toy. And as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, how have I never done a Dixie Boy truck stop t-shirt? So it is, it is on the list. Or a happy toys. Yeah. You know, I never knew this either, but I watched and I watched the credits. And then at the very end of the credits, it referenced. The Happy Toys, you know, the Happy Toys truck has like the green goblin on the front. And it mentioned something like thank you to Marvel or license from Marvel's green goblin, which I never thought about it. But apparently that's like the green goblin from that's Spider-Man, right? I'm not a big superhero guy from Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the older like version of the green goblin from the Spider-Man. You can kind of see him in the comic and the show that was like in the 90s, maybe 2000s. He kind of has that face looks like that. There's a guy that took that, that found that goblin truck face, you know, the front to the truck, and it was an awful condition. You couldn't even tell what it was, and he's redone it, and he takes it around the cons and everything. I think it was going to be a flashback last year, but something happened with maybe COVID, and he couldn't get it across state lines. But yeah, he's, and I follow his page on Facebook just to see that, you know, the truck and the front of it. It's really cool. It's not the actual truck, is it? It's just the face, right? Just the face. Yeah, it's just the front of it. Well, and we talk a lot about licensing rights in this show, but maybe that's why we've never seen a Happy Toys action figure or, you know, remote control car or anything is because technically it's owned by Marvel. So this movie cost $10 million to make. So they paid the actors probably a million. They put a million into the special effects and renting all the trucks. And then they put $8 million into blowing everything up because they fucking blow everything up. Yeah, you can see the budget. You can see the budget. When they're uh, when the you know the couple, the Curtis and the Lisa Simpson are driving, and that truck is chasing them, and it's hitting them in the back, and he's swerving all over the place, and he swerves on the off ramp, and the truck goes over off into the grass, and it fucking explodes. I'm like, why did it explode? All it did was go off the side of the road into the grass. It wouldn't explode. It just blows up. You can tell in that scene they they hit the uh, they hit the pyro a little too soon because yeah, it just barely got airborne and decided to blow up before it hit. Unless aliens are blowing them up, you know, like that truck's no good. Blow it up. I love the special effects as they're escaping and they're about to get on the boat and the ice cream truck is coming down and they start firing at it and there was like these little fake laser looking things going. <laughs> Bouncing off of the truck, you could tell it was, I mean, 86 though, I guess, you know, working with what they had. I was wondering about Emilio Estevez, if like you said, paying him like a million bucks. And I was like, oh, was he a big shot like by then? Or was this like one of his first movies? And kind of going back and looking and yeah, I mean, he had The Outsiders in 83, which was a big one. Uh, Repo Man, which I love, was another big one in 84. Breakfast Club in 85. St. Elmo's Fire in 85 also. So that's all before Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, he was a big star by then. And then Young Guns, two years later, which is probably one of my favorite Estevez movies. 
Yeah, I was last night. Uh, I watched this last night before I went to bed. My daughters are here, and then I've got an extended bonus daughter who's here, friend of the family. I said, hey, you girls want to watch this movie with us? They're like, no, we're going to go downstairs and watch whatever show because it's got so-and-so and he's hot or whatever. And I was like, Emilio Estevez is pretty hot. And they just roll their eyes. And Melissa's like, he thinks that any short guy with blonde hair and blue eyes is hot. And I was like, I could be the guy's stunt double, you know? Hey, I'm not a jerk. I just have confidence. He's an attractive man. What the hell? We're safe, Jason. <laughs> I don't have any hair <laughs> or blue eyes. <laughs> well, but luckily, you know, they went, escaped at the end of the movie. The the few remaining people, the guy that stole the diamond off that lady's ring or hand at the end, and then he gets taken out by that big truck. He didn't hear it creeping up, I guess. I don't, I don't know. There, Like you said earlier, there were so many people in this movie. And I keep trying to, I swear to God, like the guy who played Roscoe P. Coltrane, like in the Dukes of Hazard, was the guy in the pink shirt. And then I'm like, no, that's not him. And then I was looking at IMDb trying to figure it out. There was a ton of actors like that you really don't see too much of, you know, except for like a few little scenes or in the background somewhere. It wasn't Roscoe P. Coltrane? I don't think so. And then I thought it was another guy. I don't know. It was He had a hat on, so I think it just threw me off. I no, I know who you're talking about. He does look like Roscoe. He was the one I was talking about earlier that, that put Lee Smith down the sewer drain. He had the pink button-up shirt and the white hat. He did look like Roscoe Coltrane. It's, it's not, but yeah, he'd be his brother. I thought it was him when he went out to take over pumping uh, for the girl. Like when they were pumping all the gas, he went out there, and I was like, oh, is that Roscoe? And then I started going through all the actors, and I'm like, oh, no. I can't find anybody who looks like that one guy. I thought it was, but this might be him, but yeah, it's not him. And Oh, we haven't even talked about uh, Giancarlo Esposito who played uh, Gus Fring on breaking bad. Oh God, that's right. Yeah. Chicken guy. He got killed in the, the arcade, like right at the beginning. So he's another uh, big name actor right there that he was young right then, but still the same looks. I can't believe I let that slip by. You're right. Yeah. I didn't even I didn't even look in the credits. I just that guy got killed, and I was like, okay, that's the guy that got killed. He didn't contribute to the story. I'm not really con- concerned with him. And he's also from Star Wars, like the new one. He's the new. He was like the guy with like the black lightsaber in the Mandalorian. I forget his name. He's been in a lot of stuff, but Breaking Bad I think is his biggest role as Gus Fring. Were you guys into Breaking Bad at all? Oh, huge Breaking that that was the first show I ever binge watched. Where like I literally was like, "Leave me alone!" The kids would come downstairs. It's like, "Go upstairs, you can't watch this," and you know, and I'd be up for ten hours watching the show. And it's on my list. Oh, it's so good. You know, after I forgot to tell you earlier, because you're always busting my balls about the stuff I watch. I did get a movie from the Criterion sale at Barnes Noble. I got Pink Flamingos, John Waters. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jason's like, oh, shit. I'm not a John Waters fan. Somebody at work asked me that one time, and I'm like, no, just can't. I think my my sisters tortured me with it when I was, like, younger, like the whole crybaby and hairspray. Yeah, it's – plus I was young. Maybe I should revisit it and kind of get into it, but it's never something I think about. Like, oh, let me watch this, you know. I'd rather watch Halloween, too, for the millionth time. Have you ever seen uh, Cecil B. Demented? No. No. No, you guys need really, especially you, Brian. You guys should watch it. Not not a horror flick, but it's kind of a a nod to John John Waters films. Watch it. Cecil B. Demented. You will you will enjoy. Jason, mine. It's fun. You guys you guys will both enjoy it. But you know what I just realized is maybe this is why Maximum Overdrive 
got the Razzie Award for the Worst Actor in 1987, Golden Raspberry Award for the Worst Director in 1987, because here we are covering the movie, and we've shifted off and started talking about other movies. We're like, fuck Maximum Overdrive, let's talk about Pink Flamingos. Who was the worst actor? Oh, I, it didn't say. It just said I got nominated. Probably The Waitress. The Waitress was terrible. I'm sorry if she's if she's listening to this show. I'm sorry, but your your performance was way over the top. But Stephen King directed it too, right? Yes. I think it's his only movie he's directed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that has something to do with us not getting the 4K treatment and a re-release and a remake is, I mean, he's Stephen King. He holds some clout in Hollywood and in the horror community. And he's like, no, no one's touching this. You're not doing a 4K. You're not doing a director's cut. You're not doing it. It's, it's mine. Leave it the hell alone. I hate it. I don't want anybody else to see it. You know, everybody's their own worst critic, and I've been there a million times in different things that I've done. But if that is true, let's, like I say, it's been over 30 years, man. He's got to let it go and realize that this is not a terrible movie. I have seen some really bad movies, and this is not one of them. No, I enjoy it. It's it's a summer fun. You know, the kids are playing baseball. They're out riding their bikes. People are mowing their lawns. Uh, trucks are running over people that have got gas in their eyes that are looking for their lost son. Oh, poor guy. The Bible salesman's patting himself with a handkerchief, you know, with warm, or no, the the truck stop owner, he's hot. You know, he's always patting himself with that handkerchief. Well, he's overweight. He's got poor circulation. You see the way he smokes cigars? Yeah, it's just a fun movie. I enjoy it. Finley, my three-year-old, kind of was in and out of the room watching it last night. And it's not something I have to turn off or make her go to bed to watch. There's no nudity. You know, there's a little bit of blood. So that's always nice that you can watch something and not have to worry about your wife calling you a weirdo or your girlfriend saying, what the hell are you watching? Tiffany enjoys it too. So we put it on and watched it together. We got to talking about Stephen King a lot and it got me thinking about what you bought earlier from that LB 3D design. That would be perfect if they would make a Jordy uh, Stephen King figure from Creepshow. Like when he gets all the moss on him. Yeah, Distinctive Dummies makes one. Do they? Oh, man. So it's probably been out a while and probably hard to find. It has. But same thing when you get into those more independent uh, distinctive dummies or this. uh, He's new. I just came across him, so I forget his name. The uh, LB3D design. All of those are are real expensive. I know I saw the tall man, which would be cool, but it's like an 18-inch figure and it's like 500 bucks. Yeah, see, and you can get the, the NECA one for a little bit cheaper than that. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to talk about this in the Why Are We segment. But uh, I don't know if you've noticed, Jason, Brian's not so much into the, the action figures like we are. But have you noticed there's a lot of like these little independent action figure companies coming out? I wrote a little list here. There's uh, Reaction, Readful Things, Bad Monster Toys, the LB3D design that I'm talking about. You've got Distinctive Dummies. And I know there's some more on here that I haven't listed. And they come out with some really cool stuff. Some of it's hit or miss, but a lot of it's really cool. But what I've noticed is all of it is in the hundreds of dollars. And it's got to be because they can't mass market like NECA. Well, that reaction, though, they make the little like three and three quarter scale figures like the old G.I. Joe type things or the old Star Wars ones. But they're still like 20 bucks a piece. And for what they are, I think that. Uh, that's too much. So I've never really gotten into them. I thought there were more than that. Yeah, yeah. I should have, though. There was a couple that I wanted that I've seen, you know. Uh, FYE has them every once in a while, and you can find them online. Expensive or not, if they ever come out with a Happy Toys truck for maximum overdrive, I'm buying it. There we go. I just can't tell the wife, like everything else. Who, me or you? Either. Yeah. You can't tell her either. My wife. <laughs> 
I won't tell your wife and you don't tell mine. Clint's going to buy two and he's going to have one in the front room going running over G.I. Joe's with it. Absolutely. I'm going to set up the model train set and it's going to come in. I'll make a Dixie boy and all of a sudden a truck will come in and run over the trains. This sounds like a lot of fun. Someone please make me the Happy Toys truck. Well, how how are you going to do that, though, if you have to open the box? That's why I buy two. You buy two. Okay. Yeah, he opens one. Whenever there's something I want to play with, I buy two. Getting back to the movie. Oh, we're doing a movie? <laughs> we're covering a movie. So you guys, if, if you, anybody listening to this, he's probably seen it, you know, but if you haven't and you've been able to piece together our dots that we're scattering all over the place, trucks come to life, machines come to life, people are in a diner, trucks try to kill people in the diner, trucks make people in the diner gas up trucks, people decide to escape because Emilio Estevez, the hero of the film, has an idea about taking a sailboat at a nearby marina to uh, an island about six miles up the coast because they're in North Carolina to where there's no motor vehicles uh, allowed, period. Um, so towards the end of the film, the remaining survivors, which is a pretty big cast still, only a few people have actually died, escape the Dixie Boy truck stop. All of the trucks and everything come crashing in on the, on the truck stop. Um, a liquid nitrogen truck goes in there and blows everything up. The survivors make it to the marina, and they get on the sailboat, and they all live happily ever after. Yeah, when you talk about how this is not an awful movie, they tie, like, everything together. Because at one point, they're like, well, why don't the trucks just drive in here? And Emilio Estevez is like, because if they did, they'd fall down into the thing because the floor wouldn't hold them. Yeah, everything is tied in a package. They need him to fill the gas. Yeah, there, there's no unanswered questions, even though if, if it's kind of a crazy idea, it all makes sense to some degree, right? And, you know, probably another reason that it's a good story is it's based on an actual fear. I remember uh, Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing, which is, it was his memoirs. I read it years ago. And I remember in that book, he touched on his fear of trucks. But it's been years since I read it. So I did a little bit of research to make sure that I wasn't wrong. When Stephen King was young, he witnessed his friend being killed by a train, which obviously was a traumatic event. And people say that that's... uh, possibly explains his vivid imagination. And then he goes on to say that he says, well, this is a quote. Well, I am afraid of trucks and cars. I mean, maximum overdrive is about trucks because as a child, they seem so large and I seem so small. I had the same imagination then as I do now, except for as a kid, everything is harder to control. So I just thought it was neat that, um, you know, this movie is based on his fear of large vehicles trains trucks cars and you see that in like um pet cemetery gauges run over by a semi and it's referenced in, in other things so well that's about as deep as we can get into this movie isn't it i think so <laughs> it's always funny we're like oh we, it won't be a long episode there's not much to talk about everybody's covered this movie and it's not that deep and then we get talking and you're like what the fuck? where did we just go hey nothing is deeper than talking about how stephen king influenced the simpsons which you know rule the world so so what do you guys think about a rating who wants to go first jason you want to go first i would give this i like the movie a lot it has a special place in my heart i mean hell i have an awesome poster hanging on the wall you son of a bitch i love it uh but i'm gonna give it a seven machine gun toting little cars out of ten it was a good seven I liked it. I'm going to keep revisiting it. I wish, you know, it would catch on more mainstream, which, I mean, it has, it feels like, you know, like the horror fans, they know all about it and 
it would be more out there, but I guess 30 some years later, it's not going to happen, but it's a great movie. I recommend it. We talked about this a couple episodes back when one of the questions we were asked is, are there certain movies you watch on certain days throughout the year? And this, this was my answer because this you know, happens on June 19th. So June 19th, I always try to watch Maximum Overdrive. Brian, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm like Jason. I love this movie. I watch it, you know, probably once a year, at least fun to put on with a group. I'm going to go a waitress carving knives, electric waitress carving knives, the Ron Popeil waitress carving knife. You get yours for 1995. (laughs) Why the hell did he smash the hell out of it at the end? Well, good thing he can call 1-800-RONCO and get a new one for only 1995. Hey, we do have a sponsor for this episode. I didn't know that. Oh, cool. Why did he smash it? Is that what he said? Yeah, like they didn't know shit was going on, and all of a sudden they say it turned on, and I don't know, why didn't they pop out the batteries or whatever? I guess if it, if anything, just to establish that, you know, Emilio Estevez was the hero ready to run into danger, you know, that's kind of a stretch, I guess, but being his, being his stunt double, I got to play him up so he gets more roles so I get more work. I'm going to rate this... I'm going to go seven as well, and I'm going to go seven Mother's Helpers Razor Blades. Mother's Helper. Same thing. I mean, I'd like to give it a, a little bit higher rating. I'm not going to kid myself. Again, it, it's not the best movie in the world. It is a great movie. It's a solid flick. It's fun. It's scary. I wish I could see the gore. It has the nostalgia for me. I wish it got more love than it did. It's got potential for merchandise and Happy Toys cars. And oh, it's just it's it's a solid package. And compared to any other 80s flick, it is just as good as all of them. I'm glad that we didn't cover the remake because I probably wouldn't even rate that. I would just say I plead the fifth. So Maximum Overdrive, 7 out of 10, Mother Helper's Razors. Was that one of the ads or something? The razor? No, it's the it's the razor they use. It's like a shaving razor. Yeah, the big straight razor. Brett, Brett, the the girl from the road who was hitchhiking down to Florida, kept it in her in her boot there. And that's when he was saying, "Oh, you'll stab me with it." And she was like, "Well, it's more like a a slice or something." Like, oh, "Okay, I gotcha." And at the end, they use it to cut the the rope that's holding the boat onto the dock. Oh, he didn't he didn't feel like untying the knot. Yeah, so Brian liked it more than us. Yeah, yeah, I had fun. Finn and I watched it. Number numbers wise. I mean, it's in that you could go anywhere from six to eight with it. And I think that's right in the ballpark where it falls. But according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's like a two, 1.5. Well, Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Well, you know what isn't a 1.5? That's a 10. What's up? Our podcast network, the PFPM. So let's hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So we got a question again this week, everybody. So we have Sarah from Baltimore, Maryland area. I'm not sure exactly where she lives, but she sent me a postcard. And she says, after thinking long and hard, I have a question for the podcast. If you were a killer in a horror film, what female lead would you least like to go up against? 
And then she says, Jason is not allowed to say Lori Strode. Stay spooky, Sarah. Son of a... And it's on this beautiful Return of the Living Dead Part 2 postcard game. We got a question and a collectible. Nice. Wow. I love that from Sarah. Going old school there. I love that. Brian says, we got a question this week and it's on a postcard. I was like, that is so cool, so weird, and so old-fashioned all in one. I love it. Love it. Yeah, she has sent me a, a letter. She's a friend of mine that she was at uh, in Monroeville, but uh, she sent me a letter not too long ago and had a bunch of stickers in there for Finley, the horror theme stickers. So always fun to get mail from her. She's got a lot of pen pals in the horror community that she writes to. So now I have some postcards, so I can send her one. You know, actually, I want to be I want to be her pen pal because again, that's old school, and it kind of goes along with me holding on to my encyclopedias and stuff. So, so Jason, not Laurie Strode. Who you got? Ah, dang. I don't know. Do you guys have anything yet? Let me, I'm going to think a minute. I do. Well, you guys, you guys go. I got. I got to think. That's a Sarah just took the wing wind out of my sails here, and you won't be going to the island because there's no wind in your sails. You're going to stay and get killed by the trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Oh, it's perfect. I had I had a couple that I was I. I was going to go with Ripley from Aliens because Ripley is just a complete fucking badass. But even though Aliens is a horror movie, to me it's more sci-fi horror, so it's not really my thing. I almost answered Alice from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5 because she kicked Freddy's ass. She never died that we know of. But I'm going to have to go with the Tina character. I'm watching Jason as we're, he's looking around, his looking at all his collectibles going, who should I pick? Who should I pick? It's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going with uh, the Tina character from Friday the 13th Part 7, who was played by Lar Park Lincoln, because she had telekinetic powers. And I mean, when it came down to in that movie, the final girl, the heroine, fighting the monsters. She was a complete badass, and Jason never stood a chance. So I do not want to mess with Tina from Friday the 13th Part 7, which the Tina character was from Friday the 13th Part 7 was recently brought back in a Friday the 13th fan film featuring friend of the show Brent Edgett, uh, and that is Roseblood, Friday the 13th Roseblood, which was a pretty decent flick. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was a fun watch, and it's got a... My friend Anson Day is in there. Brent Edgett's in there, directed by Peter Anthony. So Lara Park Lincoln even got a sequel. Well, now I'm like Jason because that was my pick. She's just badass. She just kicks she just kicks Jason's ass in the whole movie. Like, you know, crushes his mask, and she's just badass character. And yeah, now I'm just like, what do I do? I mean, outside of her. She continues to do so in the in the fan film also, which is set years later. Outside of her, I guess the one that I would think of that would probably, not that she's, you know, got superpowers or super strength or anything. My other one would be Sydney Prescott, just because she has this knack that she's always alive. Always. She always lives through every movie. Like, how the hell is she alive? What are we, five, six movies in? And she's still alive. She's such a badass. She survived and said, fuck you, I'm not doing the next film. I know that's kind of what I was thinking about going with was her. Like, I'm so lame. I'm like, oh, my God. Why can't I say Laurie Strode? She's so badass. Can I say Laurie Strode's granddaughter? <laughs> like, from the new ones? Like She's still alive. Yeah. I guess I would have to go with, I guess, Nancy Thompson from Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a tough one. 
I was thinking Sally Hardesty from uh, Texas Chainsaw also. But, you know, when she escaped the first time, she was screaming, freaking out. You know, she just got out because she was lucky, I guess. And then she came back in the new movie to be a badass, but got taken out pretty quick. But hell, Nancy Thomas Thompson got Freddy out of his dream world and brought him back to the real world. And I don't know. Plus, she's been in other movies. Oh, that's how I have to go with. That's a great question. But I think, honestly, you know, Ripley from Alien. She's fucking badass. Or I was thinking, you know, like maybe a, a Sarah Connor from Terminator. I don't know if that's a horror thing, but those are like some badass women that will fuck you up. That's a great question, though. I love that. Makes me think. Watch I, later on. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like revisit this because I'll remember something. And yeah, Clint was right. I was looking around at all my posters, all my autographs, all my stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, like what what can I do? So you need to get yourself an Underworld action figure so you can have Celine from Underworld up in your wall in case something like this comes up again. Because that was another one I almost went with. Celine is a complete badass. It's a really hard question and a good question, but it's a really hard question because a lot of the final girls. A lot of the heroines, they make it through the movie, but they die at the very end in a twist or they go crazy or they get killed off in the sequel. So there's very few that, I mean, actually do have that badass status, you know. What about uh, Aaron from Your Next? You guys seen that movie? I haven't. No, it's on my list. Yeah, You seen that, Jason? Uh, I've seen Your Next, but like years ago. But okay, no, now I know my final answer. You helped me. Samara Weaving from ready or not oh have you seen ready or not it's the one where she marries into a family it's a game playing family and she has to like play a game with him and she spins a wheel or something and the game she gets is like hide or seek but like it's hide or seek like hey if we find you we're gonna fucking kill you you have to survive the night so she was badass in that movie that's that would be my answer i think for sure I thought you were going to say the character from I Spit on Your Grave. I, I was, I thought her initially, but then I'm like, well, you know, she went through a lot of shit anyway, but she did come back and fuck everybody up, which is like righteously so, so. Right. Now, now that I, now that I think about it, I almost want to change my answer because she is a more realistic choice and I would rather be killed than castrated. See, Sarah's got us thinking about all these old. You could go with a. Clarice from Silence of the Lambs. She's an FBI agent. She's pretty tough. Another good one. Very good. Alice from Resident Evil. The the Mila the Mila Jovich character. We could do a whole episode on badass women in movies. I, th- I think we are right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not a, not enough women in horror movies. Yeah. That's all. That's all I can come up with off the top of my head. Great. Great question. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Off the top of your head, or off the bottom, or off the bottom of your Google list there. Well, there was some Googling, but okay. My final answer, Divine from Pink Flamingos. I don't want to go up against her. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Watch the movie. Uh, All right. Just keep telling yourself it's only a movie. It's It's only only a movie. movie. It's only a movie. Thanks, Sarah. Great question. So what do you got going on? Anything, Clint? Anything coming up? So uh, we all do. I'm going to answer for all of us and make it short, sweet, and simple. Uh, We've talked about this quite a bit the past couple episodes. When you hear this episode right now, we are all going to be one week out from flashback. We're all going to be there hanging out. I'm going to be there with ingears.com. It's going to be my third big show in um, a series of back-to-back-to-back shows. So I'll be looking forward to... I'm looking forward to be there having a good time, but I'm also looking forward for this show to end so i can kind of take a breather yeah looking forward to getting a bunch of signatures 
hopefully making some money to buy more toys. That's about it for me. Oh, well, actually, um, kind of non-horror related, but it's going to be getting ready for back to school time. Uh, but Brian and I still have to go back to school shopping. And I also have two that are going to be doing driver's training. So I got that going on as well. Yeah, you thought maximum overdrive was scary. Wait till Clint's kids start driving. <laughs> you got anything going on, Jason? I'm going to be screaming, screaming like the waitress. I made you. So, yeah, we're going to be at flashback this week or the weekend after this comes out. So if any of you guys are there, stop by the ink mirrors table. I'm sure Brian and I will be around there a lot this week. <laughs> and, you know, that'll be we'll be hanging out, helping out, doing whatever, uh, walking around. But I didn't know you were planning on being there all that. I'll just have to keep moving my table. It's not that big of a venue, but it's nice. It's great. Uh, one of my favorite cons. We got the ho- it's we're in the hotel. We're gonna park our car one time. It's gonna stay there all weekend. We'll be in the hotel. We'll have to order in. We'll take Ubers, go get food, do some Chicago stuff. But yeah, just hanging out. I'm excited. Hanging out with you guys live. It'll be fun. Bringing my wife though. Um, but it'll still be fun. She'll She'll get tired of the con after like an hour and then be up in the room the rest of the time. Edit out the word though. <laughs> no, 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 no. I talked my wife into coming. Like I, I wanted her to come and kind of enjoy it with us and stuff. She loves horror movies, but then she gets bored with all the same stuff over and over and over. So I can understand that. Well, make sure you tell Tanya that she's welcome. I, I enjoy Tanya, sir. Her <laughs> company will be appreciated. I wish Melissa was coming. I keep saying that, but I know. Yeah, yeah, I'll be flying solo. She'll be in, she'll just be getting back from Indianapolis for a business trip. Well, she could swing from Indianapolis to Chicago and then go home. She could. She, she won't. Do it, Melissa. Come see us. I'm dragging her along with these other, uh, so she'll be doing Indianapolis Days of the Dead with me. And then she'll be doing the weekend after that Motor City Nightmares with me in Detroit. But she's got to miss the last day because that's when she's got to head back down to Indianapolis. So yeah, she's, she's going to be spent. I know I've been trying to talk my wife into Days of the Dead in Indianapolis. I keep mentioning it. Maybe next week we'll just get a hair up our ass and just drive down, but we probably won't. Hey, Underwoods, come on down. It'd be fun. Pick me up on your way by. <laughs> right, let's go. I think there's a person or two there that I wouldn't mind seeing. couple of them. Ding. I didn't say any names. Uh, close enough. It, I got to cut you off. I'm sorry. It's funny because Brian was like, man, he was like, you see Joe, Bob and Darcy's going to be down there. He says, so help me God, Clint. I'm going to be so pissed if you guys send me a video of the three of you going, hi, Brian from Days of the Dead. And I says, that was my, literally my plan the whole time. So I guess you're going to be pissed because I'm going to do it. I'm going to torture you. Hell yeah. All right. What do you got going on, Brian? I won't be at Days of the Dead that I know of. But I will be at Flashback. I'll be Clint's assistant at Flashback. So you're not flying solo. We're sharing a room. I'm gonna I'm gonna be there helping you sling t-shirts and bothering people, you know, with stories that they don't care to hear. While I'm selling t-shirts though. Other than that, I mean, once this drops, I'll be a week past Snake Alley Festival of Film. Then I will just be ramping up for Midwest Monster Fest. Will be our next one after that. The Halloween stuff's starting to trickle into Home Goods and Michaels and all that. So we're, we're getting close to the end of summer and school time. It's about to be our time of year for us people. It's all year. Funny story, I took Finley to the movies on Thursday night, our weekly movie night here at the Orpheum Theater, local place that shows movies for free. And uh, she had like a cat shirt on, pockets, and a Halloween skirt on. And somebody said, oh, she's in her Halloween outfit. And I said, this is every day at our house. 
This isn't a costume. This is a way of life. <laughs> She's in her Tuesday outfit, lady. What are you talking about? Well, now that we've heard what everybody's got to do, and we hope we see everybody at Flashback, stop by the table, say hi. We'll be at the Ink Mayor's table hanging out. If you see us around, you know, say hi. And don't forget to check out our socials, Facebook, Twitter. I like it underscore spooky at Twitter. Send us an email at I like it spookypod at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram. Hope you guys have a good week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> order t-shirts. Order podcast t-shirts from Anchormirrors.com. Two days after, a large UFO was destroyed in space by a Russian weather satellite, which happened to be equipped with a laser cannon and Class 4 nuclear missiles. Approximately six days later, the Earth passed beyond the tail of Rhea M, exactly as predicted. The survivors of the I Like It Spooky podcast are still survivors. Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?